Welcome to Top Shelf Integrity, where we give you an inside look at how we, the Beam Centauri on-premise team, maintain our best-in-class standards in the alcohol industry, and what makes us the best team in the business, bar none. It's about service at the end of the day, and we're going to show you how we do our thing so you can level up yours. What does Top Shelf Leadership do differently? What does it mean to show up for your customers and your teammates? How do you balance innovation and honoring legacy? It's all here. So grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's pour one out. Hello, this is Kathleen DiBenedetto, Senior Director at Beam Suntory. Today, our special guest is Ken Ruff. Hey, Ken, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, Kathleen, I like to tell people I have the best job in the company here at Beam Centauri. I work with a great team of sales professionals that service our national account on-premise casual dining customers. The accounts we call on are very much like Beam Centauri. They're in a competitive channel. They're trying to win, and they're also trying to bounce back after COVID-19 closures from last year. Kathleen, tell us about your new role. Hey, thanks, Ken. Um, I am the Senior Director for Premium Seed Brands, so this is a new role for me. I'll be working on uh, brands that are small but have the capability of growing into big and beautiful businesses. So I've been doing that for about three months, Ken, but uh, after 30 years at the organization, um, it's always an adventure, always something new. So um, I'd like to just jump in, Ken, and ask you a little bit about you. How did you get started in this business? And how, how did you find your way over to uh, Beam Suntory? Well, that's funny. That's a good story, Kathleen. Out of college, I was selling health and beauty aids. And then I got recruited by Seagram. And Seagram was a good company. You know, they had major brands, learned a lot of things. I was there for three years. And when Beam bought national distilling, I got recruited to come over to help them. And I came to the California market, their largest market. And I started there as state manager. And I've been with Beam for over 30 years. In those years, from the beginning, I've had 15 different positions and I moved nine times at the three companies. So covered a lot of geography. Kathleen, what made you want to come to Beam Centauri? Well, Ken, it's kind of a funny story. Um, I first started my career out of college with um, a casting company, if you could believe that. We cast feature films in Chicago. And oddly enough, one of the casting projects we had to do was for a retailer. And they were doing a soap opera. This was their way of building consumer awareness. Now, this, of course, is 1989 or so. And um, that soap opera somehow took off and I met somebody who knew somebody who got me over to a promotion company um, because this soap opera was built through a promotion company, that promotion company I moved into and they had some clients called uh, Rumplemints. If you remember Rumplemints match the tattoo. Yes, that was mine. And then there was also Amaretto di Serono. If you recall the campaign Amaretto and me. Um, there was a lot of up-and-coming artists that were part of that campaign. And I spent some time going to Connecticut, meeting with some folks, and uh, there was a woman there by the name of Christine Bodring. And Christine eventually moved over to Beam Suntory. Uh, and at the time, it was called Jim Beam Brands. I had the lucky opportunity to see a job open 
at Jim Beam. And I really love the distilled spirits business. You know, the the creativity is endless. I mean, if someone can accept a match the tattoo promotion, I figured the, the sky's the limit for my career. So I went ahead and uh, interviewed and it was a lucky thing. I was able to get the job with that organization. And um, I started off with the Cactus Juice Desert Volleyball Tournament, uh, bringing camels onto a beach with the Cactus Juice Margarita Schnapps, 30 proof, lots of sugar schnapps. It was a great summer, Ken. Let's just say it was a fortuitous beginning of a long career. That was 1991, Ken. 1991. Bananas. So when you think about that, Ken, how long again have you been with Beam or been in the industry? Let's just say how long you've been in the industry. So I've been in the industry around 36 years, 33 plus with Beam. And Kathleen, I have to say, I totally forgot about the Cactus Juice Desert Volleyball Tournament. I was here. That was a great promotion. And you're probably the only employee to come from the movie business to distilled spirits. So congratulations. Otherwise, I'm sure you would have had your own show by now. Oh, yeah. I'd like to think that. That's what the, um, that's what the degree in theater has done so much for me uh, growing in the distilled spirits industry. But 33 years at Beam. Ken, what was it like when you first arrived at Beam? I mean, what was the sales organization like? I'm just curious. Kathleen, it was very, very different. And, um, you know, I, I think there, you are probably one of the few still around. I know Erica Lopez and I, oh, yeah. Lori Spaney, a couple more that could comment on it. But the, the company as itself was much, much smaller. And how we did business was very, very different. The it, We didn't have computers. I remember Roz Brooks, bless her heart, um, when she was here, I had to talk her into going to get a fax machine because I had customers that wanted to fax us information. So <laughs> so we did things very differently, right? Um, the the uh, the company was so small, it was kind of like family. And I know y- y- you'll probably want to comment on that as well. While there weren't as many employees, the employees that were there cared for you in a different way. And um you know, it's it's very hard to say, you know, all the changes because we've got technology and a lot of different things. But one one big thing is the connection with customer Gemba. And I love that Suntory, the, the, the you know, Gemba's um, a big thing with Suntory. But in back in those days, there's a lot less administrative work. There's way less noise and confusion. You didn't have emails and IM and uh, voicemails and a million different things. I think voicemail might have been new somewhere after that. But uh, a lot of it had to do with relationships, right, with the retailers and the wholesalers. And it really was kind of Gemba in its truest form that uh, most of our time was really connecting with customers. So um, that's a big thing in how it was different. Uh, Kathleen, how is marketing different in the company when you first arrived? You know, Ken, um, it's funny that you talk about the Gemba, uh, you know, going to the place where value is created. And you're right. We we made a conscious decision to always be out. Um, our management believed in that. Um, so I, I think you're absolutely right. That firsthand experience was a key piece of how you built brands. Right now in marketing, it's it's a lot of analytics, which is great. It does give you some real good direction. But I do think that there is something to be said for that instinctual knowledge that you get from just observation or 
the off the cuff conversations, which are often more meaningful than a focus group, because then you get the truth. You don't get people posing or trying to, um, you know, make a make a a play for the the loudest voice in the room. You actually get real information. I, I was I was thinking about it, Ken. I remember you had an office right near me back in ninety one, because in addition to the Cactus Juice Volleyball Tournament, I started to take on imports and specialties. And those were your brands. Remember those? Molinari Sambuca in our, what was it? Um, Bocce Tournament. Yeah. With Danny Aiello. Oh my gosh. With Summerfest, remember? Oh my gosh. But that's, we spent the summer in the field. That's all we did. We talked with retailers. I I never understood cultural differences until I went to Boston. Um, And I wasn't married yet, so I didn't have the last name Di Benedetto. But had I had that name, I could have written my ticket in Boston <laughs> because that community is so strong. And it was amazing what we can do just by talking with people. Um, so, yeah, was it different? You're right. We, we had one computer on the floor and you signed the computer out by, hour, by the hours. I remember... Um, the way that we are addicted right now on our phones and we're looking at our, our emails. I remember stopping at a payphone and dialing the 800 number to get into my voicemail uh, whenever I had time um, because it was the way I could catch up on work. That's where your information came in. Email came in later. I, I just, I remember the wall of files because everything was paper and I had a, a typewriter behind my desk. I'm not, this is not the 1800s, as my boys say, you know, yeah, you were there, mom, and they were riding horses. No, this, it was, it was still a contemporary business in the sense that we were still, I think, making unique and non-traditional plans because we could, it was the stilled spirits industry. Um, so it is, it is different. It was like a family, uh, by 1992, 1993, I started working with the Beam family, and I didn't truly understand the meaning of Jim Beam brands until I worked for the Beam family. So um, for me, it was just getting to understand the values that were part of that family that became the ethos for the company. So I I, I thought that was interesting. Hey, Kathleen, before we go on, yeah. I got to make two quick comments. Number one is uh, I snuck a computer into the building. So I bought a computer in 87. Oh, my God. And I want to say like 88, I have it. I had it in Deerfield and I programmed pricing. And it's kind of funny that everyone was doing it long form. And after a while, they were all come by my office. Hey, can you do the pricing for this? <laughs> So it was kind of funny. And then the other thing is, I remember I, I bought a bag phone. So I never told anyone. And this is when cell phones were like the size of a brick, almost like a <laughs> munitions thing that you'd carry. And yeah. I had to explain to Roz that I bought a a, a mobile phone and I was going to expense it. And I, I think it was like $19 a month or $29 a month. And she said no. And I don't know if you remember, we had the AT&T cards. We'd just gone to MCI. There's yes. a name out of the past, yeah. right? Yeah. That you could dial in and get your voicemail. So times have definitely changed. And back then, I don't know if you remember, but the the key brands really were. So we had a lot of trail brands. They disposed of a lot of things that like there's a there's a times uh, come around, right? There's a prepackaged 
margarita called Corel, I think was the name. I was thinking about it this morning. And it was from Mexico and it was a pre, it was like an 175 margarita. That was one. We had Beemeister leaf for milch, right? Oh Which was a God. white wine. Yeah. We had, um, oh, uh, what was it? The little cooler. The Fletcher um, and Oaks, wasn't it? Or no, was it? Fletcher and Oaks. Fletcher and Oaks. Yeah. I launched a blush. Oh in 19, and it was in a 750 ml bottle with a screw top that fell flat on its face but most of the most of the innovation in the day was around de kuiper yeah. and i remember we we launched the peach cream and we launched pear we launched blueberry i had an expense report refused because i bought 500 blueberry muffins for southern wine and spirits in florida uh, in uh, southern cal <laughs> so it's kind of funny, you know, the things that we would do to get attention for the brands, Yeah, you know, that then that was our premium portfolio and my how it's changed, right? With the great brands we have now and the great brands that you're working on. Oh, my God. I, I remember De Kuiper was the number one moneymaker. Even um, Jim Beam was just going overseas at that time. I mean, it was it was there, but um, the bigger brand was old granddad overseas. Um, that was when you, you took that on when national distillers came over, right? Yeah. And, um, old granddad was a big brand. Oh, it had its own brand manager, its own promotion manager. Uh, we did busts of old granddad. Do you remember those? Oh, yeah. That was so fun. You probably know the original story on bookers, right? When it was first launched and how that came about was really magical. Oh yeah. Tell, tell the story. You tell it. So this was, I want to say it was 87 in Southern mm -hmm. Cal. We had an employee, his name was David Becker. David was, a um, he handled duty-free. So he handled the duty-free stores. And he came up with the idea of having a really high-end bourbon in a wine package. And he was talking to Booker. This is my version of it. It's a Booker's version and Freddie's may be different. But, yeah. but um, at the same time, they were looking for something to give distributor management and Booker came up with the idea that he had the, these stash of barrels. They put it into that wine-looking bottle. They put in that. It was originally in a white canvas bag or kind of an off-white canvas mm -hmm. bag. And they did a very little few um, few cases just to give it to distributor management. And I remember seeing it. It really was an interesting package. And I think David Becker had a year after that that he could bring it to duty-free. But uh, when you saw it in these are the days that in Southern California, I think the price point was like ten ninety nine on a one seven five, and Bill Fouts, who worked for the company, I don't even know if he's alive anymore. We would sit there all the time in this little teeny closet, which is our office, and monitor the price of Ancient Age and kind of mm -hmm. the predatory price brands in California because the price point was so important to get in the ads. Um, my how the business has changed. That was like the lowest point in terms of probably the value yeah. for bourbon in a one seven five at retail, and you could see it literally when Booker's was created. That that was an inflection point. That if we could get people talking about better bourbon, and Booker's was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. You know, hit the nail right on the head with yeah. straight out of the barrel. You know, bourbon made the the way it used to be made, yes. Booker's finest and all that kind of stuff. But that was the point of inflection that every year. And I remember coming to the Midwest and even, you know, bourbon sales were down one or two percent against your numbers that you had to hit. Right. But, you know, whatever your allocation was, you could grow. It was growing. We could make more of it. You could sell more of it. Then we launched a small batch collection, which you were involved in. And it, it really was a, a good, good times.
honestly, that $50 price point for bookers, I think everybody lost their minds. Uh, and I remember going out in the field because 50% of my job was selling. And we talked about this before. It was the age of Grey Goose, the world's best tasting vodka. And uh, people would be like, oh, no, no, I've got the world's best tasting vodka. I don't think I need a bourbon. And it just shows you that perseverance pays off. We did not stop. Yeah, I didn't make my numbers for 10 years. Okay, that was painful. It, but it was a mission. And, and Booker always said, you know, you just got to keep on keeping on. Um, people will come to it. Just don't, don't not be who you are. He refused. I, so many times management talked about, can we lower the proof? We need to lower the proof. It's just too strong. And Booker's point was, you're missing the point. This is uncut, unfiltered, straight from the barrel whiskey. Um, there is no better whiskey in the world. And you have to put it as your North Star. Now, he didn't say North Star. He's like, you just got to leave it alone, is what he said. But he always said, if you've got it in the bottle, people will come to you. If you are authentic and if you are honest. If you're lying, they will figure it out. And that's why, you know, if you ever hear it in our organization, it's always authenticity and truth have been very, very important. And, and I, I think that that all stems from that, that moment. So, I mean, such great times. I, I, I do remember literally Maker's Mark, 1998 maybe, was this tiny, tiny brand in Kentucky. Well, it was a big brand in Kentucky, but it was tiny everywhere else. And all of a sudden, they sold 22,000 cases in Southern California. And I don't know where they sold it, Ken. You probably do. But that was the moment where we realized, okay, maybe there's an opportunity. We see the tide shifting. And so uh, what an amazing time we've lived through. We've lived through. That is true. Oh, I remember um, I was on a crew drive. So you always did crew drives, really probably one of the most fun yet most exhausting experiences where you work all day long and you're on a, you're selling all day long uh, and you're competing against your, your folks and you're working with distributors. And I was sent on a De Kuiper uh, crew drive and we were selling the, the Nemo Tini. And I would probably get in trouble for saying that because that's a trademark name. But it was blue curacao with vodka and a Swedish fish. I cannot tell you. We nailed our numbers. We made five hundred dollars at the end of the day just by selling the new Motini. That was ninety three or ninety two. And then look at by nineteen ninety eight, five years had shifted, and it had happened the way we thought it was going to happen. So uh, what what ex what an extraordinary moment. Um, you know, well, Kathleen, one of the words yeah. you use was perseverance, right? Yeah, yeah. And you've been with the company more than 30 years. Tell me why you've stayed all those years and what is it in the Beam Centauri culture that draws you back day after day and year after year? Yeah. Well, I love the brands. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you that. Learning from the Beam family and the history and the community that is part of that, being part of that legacy or bringing that legacy forward is important. And then when I started to learn when I was running education, so I've been at Beam for, what, 30 years, and I've had probably 20 jobs. That is the thing about Beam. They move you around. Not so much for you, Ken, because you are 
amazing. You're a legend in national accounts. So you've always had that leadership role. But for us over in marketing, we moved as the company changed, right? And I ran education for a while and I, I learned about Lafroig and the, the brothers that started that business on the Isle of Isla. And one of them drowning in a fermentation vat. Uh, actually, no, they didn't really, but it's good legend. Uh, the De Kuyper family out of the Netherlands who've been making De Kuyper since 1695 and the Kilbegan distillery, um, which actually allowed a town to continue to thrive since the 1800s. Um, just so many stories that keeps me coming back to bring those legacies forward. Um, but for you, Ken, tell me about you. What draws you back? Now, you've, you're different in that you run a business, the same kind of business from the time you started to now. Now you, you obviously lead that business. What makes you come back? That's a great question. And I've had a couple different jobs. So in the early days, you know, I was oh, in a different right. role, but I've been in national accounts the longest time. And I will say people, so outside the company, people that I know that are executives, they say, don't you get bored? And I don't get bored. I've got a, an exciting team that I work with. We've got about 200 customers and they're constantly changing. So there's not time to get bored because we're very customer centric. It changes all the time. And we have to be dialed into what our customers need. And it really is um, the, the old saying, um, um, Steve Zader, who worked here, he said, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, right? But for, for us, we're constantly doing different things. We've got a great team like Christine Kolarab, who I work with, mm -hmm. really is a, 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 a ray of, of shining light in terms of the marketing mix and the way she brings our brands to life in the channel. And we can take the same brand and, and really flex it differently for our customers, different for a Texas Roadhouse versus a TGI Fridays versus a Red Lobster, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, for the company, you know, Beam is a good, good company. And, and I know that, you know, the whole title of this is live the life, don't just make a living. You know, you, you, your company is kind of an extension of you. And for me, the company really has been like a family. When I've had rough times, the company's been there for me. And when the company's had rough times, I've been there for them, right? Um, they've been good to my family. Uh, it's always been a company that is filled with good people. And, you know, just in my department, we've had a, over 100 people come through my department. And these people, you know, they're, I, I respect them all. I've enjoyed working with all of them. They were all great. They did great things for the companies. A lot of times they leave for greener pastures and you know, Kathleen, you probably know this. A lot of times they leave and they'll call you back and they're like, ah, it's not really working out. They want to come back. And that's kind of a harder thing to do. But um, for people listening in today, I mean, you your vote is your your money, right? And now you spend your money. But your vote in your life is where you choose to spend your time. And, uh, you know, you, you got to choose your company carefully. And your company has to be kind of a mirror image of you. And what I love about Beam is Beam has changed a lot. Kathleen, as you know, it's way more diverse, way more inclusive. And it's a good, good company with a good, good soul. And even a recent example last year with COVID-19, you know, there are a lot of companies. There's wine companies that furloughed and let people go in the on-premise channel. Beam Centauri didn't do that. And I know you hear that. And it, it, by the third or fourth time, you kind of, you know, you, you, yeah. you, you, it loses a point value when you hear it over and over. But the truth is, 
beam with everything they're doing, the, the communication last year, I couldn't have been more proud of how they handled a very, very difficult once in a lifetime event and how it was communicated and how they kept everybody engaged in what they're doing. And, you know, we did a lot of uh, job rotation. We did, uh, you know, um, where our people could work in other departments, where you could take courses. We probably set a record for LinkedIn courses. Kathleen, you were involved in a lot of the you know, the sharing of knowledge and improving your skill set. That's a, a lot of things that other companies aren't doing. So so when, when I think about why I stayed here, what brings me back, I think it's a great match for me, you know, and um, and hopefully I've given back in some way to the company. Yeah, you definitely have. Definitely have. So I know that uh, a big part of what you're doing is is mentoring new recruits. Right. What do you think is the most important element of success in marketing today, BSI, and how are you teaching that knowledge forward? Yeah, that's a it's a good question, Ken. Um, Thirty years uh, means uh, you know you get a lot of info in your brain, and so it's always best to share that with people because I I want this company to continue to be successful. I I, I want to continue to share the values that I believe have made us who we are today as a desirable employer. So um, the most important element for success in marketing is, of course, agility and perseverance. Um, And I, I don't say that you have to be the smartest person in the world, but you have to have the drive to want to learn, to want to, um, to shift at a moment's notice because our business is that way. Uh, boy, did we learn that last year. Um, thinking out of the box is what defines us as a unique organization. Yes, we're family, but you know, Ken, um, part of that not furloughing is also saying, okay, now what are we going to do to address uh, this this crisis in our on-premise accounts? Um, I know, I know, you worked on a several um, groups that help address that. But uh, for me, um, I spend my time now, a, a portion of my time working on capabilities where I'm teaching people how to solve problems, how to understand, how to access information, how to think out of the box in an ethical way, uh, in a way that, that follows the, what we believe are the tenets of us as an organization, and even the tenets of luxury, which we talk about um, Rarity, authenticity, quality, aspiration, and innovation. Those elements are the way that we will continue to elevate our portfolio. So um, when you think about coming, when you think about this organization and you're thinking about how you are mentoring your staff, now you've got a large staff of people, what do you do and what have you told your people is going to make them successful? especially from a sales perspective? So that's a great question. Um, my team is so different. And, you know, we are truly a melting pot of the backgrounds that we bring to national accounts. Mm-hmm. And it's not a cookie cutter approach. Some of the uh, people that we have in our department, our regional account managers have kind of graduated into the national account position. Others are, two of our uh, team members right now are buyers. They were buyers for national accounts. And and I've got 
two really good legacy managers in Greg Johnston and Bridget Dunham that that really are professionals that worked up through other spirit companies and and kind of one way or another we got them on our team. And it's it's funny. There's when when working with them. I would say there's there's not like one recipe. It, it's really kind of like I, I would put it like a baseball player. If you're a third baseman, right, that you come in and each each prospect has different skills, but you have to learn the overall position. So they have to adapt to the market. They have to adapt to their customers. They have to broaden their own knowledge and information and experiences to be able to do it all. And it's hard, uh, you know. As a new employee, and we talk about it a lot with our new employees, if if they feel it's tough, you have to acknowledge it is tough. You know, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. we talked about Leah Mulvey, who was in our department, and yeah. Leah was one of the fastest to learn national counts. And in looking back, I said it took her a year to really be on her feet and doing it 100 percent. So so a lot of times I use a Leah rule of thumb, like, you know, how you know, how fast is it? Everybody's different, but nowadays there's not a patience for a year of learning. That's right. There's an accelerated learning curve, right? And and I'll just say that uh, I'm so so proud, uh, is, particularly of my new team members, because the kind of the gauntlets out there. You know, it's a fast world. Everybody wants instant gratification. It's like last year was totally totally bad, mm-hmm. and they want instant results. They want KPIs hit, and they want to, you know, hit 80 percent of 2019 numbers. And there's not a lot of uh, sympathy, sympathy right now for the learning curve, but they're doing a great job. And and Kathleen, the key thing is, I I say you have to be organized, you have to be professional, you have to visualize what you want to do, prepare yourself to be able to do that, and you have to be knowledgeable about our brands. I think I've heard you say more than once, you know, that every one of our brands has a unique brand story. And when people come from outside the industry, it's it's really you got to be the collector of those stories. And you have to be able to understand, you know, across our portfolio, hundreds of stories. But when you connect with those brands and you really feel like they're a part of you, it comes naturally. So yeah. I think that's a big part. So, Kathleen, I want to circle back to you uh, with your your career here. Who have been some of your mentors? Yeah, uh, really good question. Um, my first mentor was, um, obviously Booker. Um, and one of the, one of the things that he always taught me is this concept of thinking out of the box and thinking on your feet. Um, he had very little patience. Uh, he wanted, he is, and I, I see that that instant gratification thing hasn't really changed, at least on the marketing end. People want to know what's happening. What are you going to do now? to fix this or, or to grow something. Uh, and, and he really taught me that, um, about the, the ethics of business and that stick to your story and be truthful. And if you do that, and that's what I teach the students when I, when I do my capabilities work is I always talk about the stories and say, stick with the truth on the stories. And sometimes it's not about the age of a whiskey or the proof of a vodka or a gin. It's more about the values that that brand and that family is bringing to the business. Um, Those are the choices. It is intangibles that really make people want to make decisions uh, for or against a business. And the other piece that I think you taught me, Ken, when I worked with you back in the early 90s, was every 
customer has a choice. They have a choice to work with you or a choice not to work with you. And if you follow up, if you do the work, and if you treat them as if you would want to be treated, you will win. It is that simple. It, it really is a human truth. If you follow through, if you do the things that, that the customer is asking of you, and if you are thinking not of yourself, but of both people, you can win. So, Ken, let, let me just transition to, to another question for you. This is a loaded one, given that we're coming out of the pandemic. Where do you see the industry going next? What, what do you think is, is this industry is going to look like both this year and in the coming couple of years? So, Kathleen, that's a great question. It certainly has been an interesting year. As everybody listening to this knows, 2020 bars and restaurants were closed. That's a big change, right? People had to change their behaviors. They had to find new ways to entertain, new ways to dine and eat. We know what we sold in stores. Luckily, the business pivoted to where the consumer went to stores to find their products. And that's very different than the way it was before, where people were consuming product in bars and restaurants. I'm afraid that some habits are formed, right? Some people probably are saying, hey, I don't have to go out as much. Or now I've been ordering with the delivery service, and I, I'll continue to do that. Mm -hmm. um, bars are reopening, and I think consumption changed in the last year. I'll give you an example. Hard seltzers, right? In the store channel, they're booming. Prior to COVID-19, they weren't really carried in in bars and restaurants. And I think you'll see that change. I think some of the habits and some of the product changes, um, the way that the consumers pivot, I think our on-premise operators are going to have to change their assortment slightly. Um, you've heard the term roaring 20s. Yeah. I think that you're going to see in the, this year and into next year and the next year, I think you're going to see dining, drinking, traveling and spending return to record levels. We're talking with concessionaires as on the phone with one yesterday and and it's just starting to open up and they're starting to see their numbers go up. I know John Horn with the hotels is seeing the same thing. It's it's a little bit slower. And a lot of these customers, it's been very, very hard for them. A lot of them still are on no buy where they can't their their resources are so tight they can't load their back rooms yet. Right. They mm -hmm. they're just starting to get traffic back. So I think that you're going to see a tremendous rebound on premise. And I think with it, while Beam Centauri is pivoting to their more premium brands, investing in the premium brands, I think that you're going to see our sales mix go more premium. And I think you're going to see a lot of people drinking Beam Centauri products in the next few years. From your mouth um, to God's ears. Yes. So, Kathleen, uh, what one piece of advice do you have that you'd give to employees about their careers? Uh, well, for me, there is um, a saying that I always stick with. And the reason why I really wanted to do this about live the life, don't just make a living. What I would say is when you do a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And while I'm not saying that every day has been a walk in the park, I'm saying that this job has filled my bucket, as it were, and it continues to do that. And so seek that experience. Experiences aren't handed to you. Seek them out for yourself. But every organization has experiences like this that can make you love what you're doing. You just need to find it. Ken, any, any piece of advice you would give folks? 
Yeah. So Kathleen, you kind of inspired me with what you just said. And and I was thinking, you know, the you have to find your voice, number one, to be in a company, you have to be willing to speak up, right? And and the engagement surveys are saying now more than ever, our employees want to be heard. Companies aren't perfect. You have to be patient with the company and with Beam Centauri. You know, people are learning as they go. People are going to make mistakes. You have to be able to communicate to people, be transparent, tell them, you know, what you think. And I always consider myself a melting pot of the hundred people that came through the department and the hundreds of people that work around me, including you, Kathleen. Mm -hmm. You take the best from everyone you see. So I'd say your voice is important. I think everybody that listens to this, if you're a Beam Centauri, you really have to invest in yourself. And that's, you know, the learning provided by Beam Centauri, but beyond that, right? With LinkedIn and college courses and whatever you're interested in, doesn't matter if you're in sales, if you like accounting or vice versa, you should you should try to learn more in all the different areas that, that you're inspired by. Um, and then you should learn to sell yourself within the organization. There are jobs posted all the time. And if you think that there's something special for you or you want a new experience or you want a new job, I think you need to sell yourself to be able to do that. Um, working at Beam Centauri is a great, great career experience. You and I can look back and kind of, yeah. you know, people that have been here a year aren't going to see it. People that have been here four or five years aren't going to see it. But over the long, long term, it, it accompanies what you make of it, right, Kathleen? Yes, it sure is. And and if you put in all that you can, and Beam Centauri is a great place to to hit your wagon and and to be there, not only for the learning, not only for it, you know, putting food on the table, but it's a rich experience for you, right? Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity for you to learn. You meet in the families like the Beam family, meeting the family at Maker's Mark, the Samuels family. It can be a great job. But it can lead to a great, great life and. Um, it's done well for you and I, and I, I'm very grateful for the, the opportunities that this company has presented to me and for anyone else out there. I just hope they can, they can grasp all the opportunities that are out there for them. Ken, the great thing about what you said is that we are all creating our own legacy. And with the 60 plus years of experience that we both share, I truly think that we have meaningful lessons that we can share with others and that everybody has an opportunity to affect not only their their own personal legacy, but a company's legacy. And Ken, you've done that here at B. Um, I'm so glad to have worked with you. Uh, thank you. And I really appreciate the time you've spent today. Thank you, Kathleen. And I guess uh, your legacy is has been inspiring for me as well. So thank you. Kathleen. Thank you. All right. Have a great day, everyone. Top Shelf Integrity is brought to you by Beam Centauri, Inc., Chicago, Illinois. Remember to always drink responsibly.